0: The Fantasy Football Beat.
1: Welcome to Fantasy Football Beat, the podcast that will never let your team die in darkness. I am Mike Hume, and that popping sound is my head exploding.
0: Hi, I'm Des Bieler and much like Brock Osweiler, I probably should not be the starting quarterback for the Browns.
1: Well, Jeff Dooley has taken his talents to South Beach. He's currently probably shirtless on a yacht with Odell Beckham, possibly Justin Bieber. You just don't know with that guy. In his stead, we are welcoming in longtime friend of the podcast, Neil Greenberg of The Washington Post. Neil, thanks for joining us today.
2: Sure thing. I didn't know that shirts were optional, otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) For you, they are not. (laughs) That's true. The the, the
1: listeners can't tell. We've all gone shirtless, haven't we, Mike? Well, as a token of (laughs) our esteem, uh, or our gratitude, I should say, not our esteem, we will give you, Neil, the uh, first swipe at the big idea. But before we get to that, good news, Des. What's that, Mike? More beat. We are going two times a week, and we are going to have another friend in the studio holy moly that's exciting wait we have friends yeah well we're paying him to be our friend but he's our friend <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> enough. so scott allen of the dc sports bog will be helping us out every sunday look for him to provide fantasy takeaways along with the esteemed and absent jeff dooley uh this is going to be a lot of like the news instant digest monday mornings you're going to need to know who's hurt what moves you can make who's hot who's not that's what we're aiming to provide and should be should be pretty good. If you're if you're lucky enough, I might just chime in as well. Ooh, but yeah, would... it'll be it'll be sort of instant takeaways from Sunday's action. So the Sunday special with Scott, Jeff and potentially Des will be available every Monday and come drive time on Wednesday. You will get this version of the show. Now we're recording this on Friday, August 11th, and the reason for my exploding head is there has been a ton of NFL news. Just a little bit. Just a wee smidge. Ezekiel Elliott suspended by the NFL for six games. Two <laughs> count them two trades yeah. by the Buffalo Bills within like 30 seconds of one another. And
0: like big, tra- not like trading a six-round pick for for you know a
1: seventh round next year. Like, no big, big, big honking fantasy impact trades. And on top of all that. Neil has a big idea that's going to blow your mind. So let's get straight to the big idea. We'll come back to the news in our Stock Watch segment. Neil, in the meantime, what's the big idea? The big idea.
0: Get him off your team. Drop him now. He could be the surprise of the 2017 season. That guy is a walking ACL team. Oh, yeah. He's a major sleeper.
2: The big idea is what we're calling draft score, which essentially is assigning a value between 0 and on 100 to every player in the draft. And that score takes into account their their overall fantasy point production for a PPR league, um, injury risk, strength of schedule, efficiency. It, it's, it's something that encapsulates all that into one number, so it makes it very easy to see who has a higher value on on draft day and probably its best application is to just look at where players are being drafted to see where the value is. So you know if you have a fourth round pick, very easy to see right away which is the best player available, which is the best player at a position that's available um, and allows you to execute any strategy that you're looking to execute on draft day.
1: Now, Neil... I seem to recall reading about this on a little site called the Washington Post. What of those factors? How do you weight those factors? You mentioned a ton of stuff that goes into this thing. It's looking a little bit like a pot pie. What's the chicken?
2: Well, it's a it's a it's a top down approach. So what we what I tried to do was look at okay, how many expected passes can we see for a team? How many expected targets can we see from that? Um, and then the same thing with rushes. And then use the the team's depth chart to start assigning. Um, start assigning opportunities. So if you're the number one wide receiver on a team, chances are you're going to get a, cer- a higher percentage of targets than if you're the number two guy um, or, or the number three guy. Same thing with running backs, right? Obviously, the, the top guy in the depth chart is going to get more touches of the football than, than someone that's below him. So I, I really try to do this from a top-down approach and, and adjust it for strength of schedule. Obviously, when you're playing a tougher opponent, they're going to allow – Um, fewer points to wide receivers than they might running backs and vice versa. So I try to take all that into account. um, And then, as I said, just to make it easy, uh, base it on per position from 0 to 100, 100 being the best possible player at the position in the draft, um, all the way down to to 0, a player that can easily be replaced on the waiver wire.
0: Now, uh, one of the interesting takeaways you had from the article was, uh, or interesting findings, was that uh, you have... Um, Greg Olson as your number one tight end. At least that's that's the way I looked at it. Right. A little controversial um, there. Yeah. You want to you get into some of the methodology behind that uh, somewhat controversial finding? I mean, he's obviously a top tight end, but the right. number one is I don't think a lot of people would have that.
2: Yeah, and, th- and they might not, but it's a couple of different factors, right? So number one is Cam Newton, quarterback for the Panthers, loves to target Greg Olson, loves to target him in the red zone, will probably be healthy this year, right? Had some trouble last year, especially towards the end of the season. Um, you mean Cam Newton or Cam or, Newton? Or, Who yeah. did
0: I say? Yeah, yeah, no, you, you did. You said yeah. he. Uh, sorry, I wasn't Cam sure Newton. if you meant Newton or Olson. No, Olson's no, no, no. obviously an Iron Man, which is right. I think part of what your right. value in, that you're placing in. Until it. you
2: just jinxed him, right? But um, <laughs> he never goes down. Right. So the the he's actually tied with Gronkowski as being the top tight end available per per the draft score, and that's a function also of Gronkowski being so good. Right. If he's healthy he's easily probably the the top tight end. And even if he's he misses a game or two, he, he provides so much production that he can overcome that type of uh, loss of a game or two. So I really actually like Greg Olson. I know I'm not the only one. He's going in the second or third round of most PPR drafts. So it's not like it's a secret there. But you can definitely look to, to uncover some other values. And uh, like I said, it's really just a way to, to look at the team as a whole and then start to assign... Uh, Opportunities based off of that, because you know, as as you know, being being a receiver for the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees behind under center has a lot more potential for targets than, let's say, a team like the Los Angeles Rams with Jared Goff under center. Right.
0: So it's based on uh, value per target, how many targets you expect. Right. A lot of it seems to be based on expected workload right. and the value of that workload on a per-target or per-touch basis. Right. You know, I, I think some of the methodology may be— I mean, I think I think just to stick with Olsen for a moment, because I think that's the, the biggest headline, and I, I do want to—you know, we, we've dragged your name through the mud a couple <laughs> times in this podcast, so I want to be respectful, you know, mostly mostly related to Steven Goskowski, but— uh, this is another interesting finding, but Olson, you know, I have him ranked fourth uh, among tight ends, and you know, I, I think we're both looking at the past in different ways. You know, I think you're looking at the fact that yeah, he's been he's been on the field entirely over the past few seasons. That has always that has contributed to his high target totals. It's contributed to his high receiving numbers. He's the first tight end for with a thousand yards, I think, in three straight seasons. You know, they didn't have Kelvin Benjamin in twenty fifteen. I think they had a little bit to do with, you know, you talked about his, his red zone prowess over the past three seasons combined. I mean, in terms of PPR finishes, Olsen is since twenty twelve when he really started to be used heavily, Olson's gone seven, seven five, five, and three. Right. So to say, okay, well now he's the number one tight end at age thirty two when we probably can expect better health from Gronkowski and at least hope for it from Jordan Reed, you know, it makes me makes me scratch my head a little bit. Like I understand like the the value in somebody who's that reliable, but I I I don't have a hard time taking him over over Gronk or Kelsey or Reed.
2: Yeah, and that and uh, you know there's a difference between what his value is going to be relative to the position, right, and then where he's being selected in, in the draft. So if if someone's going to take a, a chance on on Greg Olson in the second round, late second round, mm-hmm. for me personally, I'd probably use that pick on a wide receiver or maybe even a running back depending who's there. So I don't necessarily disagree with you in terms of, um, you know, is Olson going to be – is, like, Olson a must pick because he's the top tight right. end, right? But, but I guess the way that I'm looking at it is – um, all projection systems, especially for football, are highly volatile, right? I mean, there's a reason why it's difficult to to, to pin down the positions. It's difficult to figure out who who's going to be the number one guy at any position at any given time. Um, but the method that I used was kind of was was a weighted method. It, yes, it, it absolutely has to look in the past to project forward, so you get a sense of of how often teams are passing, how often do they get targets, and and things like that. Um, and then based on those numbers adjusted for strength of schedule, like I said, um, there's a very good chance, at least from this model, that Greg Olson's going to be the the top guy. And and that doesn't seem too far-fetched to me.
1: What's a running back or wide receiver that's going lower in the draft relative to your draft score that could be a good value? I think Bilal Powell for the Jets in PPR leagues
2: could be decent value, even as like a fifth-round pick. Um, you know the latest injuries there might might push him up and that value might evaporate. I love Frank Gore know as a late seventh round pick. I think if you're looking to, to pull off the zero running back strategy, he's a great find. He'll get a ton of a, a ton of carries. Um, I like Jonathan Stewart for, for um, the Carolina Panthers. we talked about that. Um, any feature back that's going to be going, I would say in the fifth round or later probably, uh, will we'll we'll, will provide some good value um, in terms of wide receivers. I mean, Alshon Jeffrey has decent value even as a, fi- a five-round pick, and I think Brandon Marshall with the Giants um, in the seventh or eighth round is, is great value, especially with cornerbacks will have to respect what Odell Beckham does, right? And that could really open up Brandon Marshall to, to catch not only a, a
1: large amount of passes but also
2: quality passes in the end zone.
1: All right, well, if you want to check out more about Neal's draft score, you can find it on the slash FantasyFootball. It will be part of our upcoming Fantasy Football cheat sheet, which should go live early next week, assuming the Bills stop making trades and the NFL stops issuing suspensions, which, by the way, brings us to the Stock Watch. Stock Watch. Stock Watch. <laughs> All right. Ezekiel Elliott, Jordan Matthews, Sammy Watkins, Oh, my. Let's start from the top. We got to start with Zeke, right, Des? Yeah. I mean, that's that's obviously the big news of the day. That's by
0: far the biggest fantasy names. A lot of people had him third overall. Maybe he started sliding based on speculation that he would be suspended in some way, shape, or form. I mean, yeah. I don't think a lot of us thought six games, even though that was, you know, in the wake of the Ray Rice uh, debacle, that was the new policy the NFL put in place for domestic violence incidents, was starting with six-game, But, you know, the league always has leeway with this sort of thing. And it is important to bear in mind that um, the Cowboys are definitely going to appeal this. Yes. Uh, Jerry Jones was described as, quote, furious, which I can imagine because no. I don't think he saw anything like this coming <laughs> down the pike. I think, you know, I, I think he will fight this tooth and nail. I mean, this could turn into another deflate gate situation where it just drags out, where it goes to federal court. Who knows? God help us. So all I'm saying is, like, it's not a fait accompli at this moment that Ezekiel Elliott will, in fact, be suspended for six games, but that's the information we have right now. The NFL took so long with this, you'd think that they wanted to build as airtight a case as they could, and they've obviously been burned in the past mm-hmm. by having to reduce suspensions. Maybe they're starting high so that they can like bust it down to a four-game suspension and the Cowboys will agree to that. You know Who right. knows? But at the moment, yeah, we have to assume he's suspended six games.
1: Right. And again, we're recording this on Friday, August 11th. So as of right now, there has not been an appeal made that will likely change over the weekend as he has three business days oh, to yeah, appeal. They'll appeal it. Yeah. Think, for so sure. bet on that. But for the sake of this conversation, let's assume that it is a full six games. Des, where does this take him in your running back rankings?
0: <laughs> yeah i mean it, it knocks him down and maybe not as far as, as some other people have him i mean it is it's a big it's more than half of the fantasy regular season because the cowboys have a week 6 yeah. bye was meaning that uh, uh, zeke will have to sit out through week 7 so you're not going to get him till week 8 and then that leaves six weeks left. If you assuming your league ends in week thirteen, you know, that gives you about six weeks left. Yeah, you could be eliminated by right. that. That said, it's not like if you draft them, it's not like you're taking a zero, obviously, for those games people. You you're gonna you're gonna draft more running backs in our in our running back preview podcast. We advocated running drafting running backs yep. a lot. You know, and obviously the the biggest beneficiary of this is Darren McFadden. Well, let me get to Zeke first of all. I I I have him drop down to twelfth at running back. I didn't really want to go any lower than that basically uh, based on the fact that he last year averaged 21.7 PPR points per game. That was third behind uh, Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson. That was almost four points better than the seventh-place guy, Devontae Freeman. Theo Riddick was fifth at 16.2. Jordan Howard was ninth at 15.3, which is, six, which is what, 6.4 <laughs> fantasy points per game. worse. Than, all wow. I'm saying is, on a per-game basis, Ezekiel yeah. Elliott was dominant. Yes. And if you think about it, when he comes back in Week 8, he'll be fully rested. The Cowboys will have no reason not to give him all the work he could possibly handle the rest of the way. The Cowboys are going to get absolutely their money's worth out of him the rest of the way. And and you know fantasy is it's a week by week game. Now obviously somehow right, you have to right. survive till week eight. But once you get Zeke on your team, you're getting you know a, what should be a fantasy monster at that point. So I couldn't really lower him to 12th at running back. That's 27th overall. So I still see him as an early third round pick. And then you're probably going to want to reach for Darren McFadden at that point if you do draft him.
1: Now Neil we does just mentioned that it is a week to week game but you still got to survive to week 8. So, who are some of the names on your rankings on your draft score list that could fill in that void for those first 8 weeks?
2: Well, I guess I mentioned um I mentioned uh, Frank Gore is certainly going to be available. Um the problem with with I think handcuffing to McFadden is I'm not 100% sure he's going to get the most quality touches with Alfred Morris there either, right? There's no guarantee necessarily. What I would do is, if I'm definitely looking to handcuff, I probably take the chance on the back that's being drafted later, right, and getting a a back that maybe be able to help me longer into the season. Um, you know, even even a guy. Um, like Eddie Lacy will probably be available down there. I mean, he's going to be available late. Um, you'll have Gio be available Bernard. after Elliott anyway. Right. You have sure. you have Gio Bernard available. I don't think I don't think, um, think Elliott's going to slide much past the second round. I think if you look at yeah the yeah. his production from last I, I, year, I agree. You take five games away, he's still the 11th best back, <laughs> which in this draft is late second round pick. You take all six games away, he's the 19th best back, which is a fourth round pick. Um, I don't see him sliding past um, the the second round. What would what would worry me more about drafting Elliott is his Week 16 game against the Seattle Seahawks. That's a tough game to rely on a feature back for the fantasy football championship on the line if you make it that far. They're great at stuffing the run. They don't allow many second-level open field yards.
0: Right, but that, that does go to... One of the other reasons to stay high on Ezekiel Elliott, which is that, of course, the the most important weeks of the fantasy season are 14 through 16. And assuming he's suspended to start the season, he'll absolutely be there down the stretch and in the playoffs. Right, but that 14th game is
2: is the Giants, which are good against the run. Yeah, they're good. And 16th is Seattle, as I just said, which are great. So So it's a tough playoff schedule. um, But he could be a monster from the time he gets back. To that point. Yeah, right? those, he,
0: those guys are all going to be running on fumes at that point, and he'll be presumably
1: much fresher than anybody else on the field. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so two trades from the Buffalo Bills. We got Jordan Matthews coming in, Sammy Watkins going out. Let's start with Sammy Watkins, which it's a shame to talk about Sammy Watkins without Jeff, who might be openly weeping right now. <laughs>
0: Well, I thought I was the one who was in love with Sammy Watkins.
1: There's so much Sammy Watkins love. But yeah, Jeff, Jeff said he drafted him every year since he ended the league. Oh, yeah. That's, well, a, that's well, a lot of love.
0: Well, he's a Bills fan, though, so I think uh, I think that might have been part of it. But uh, as I recall on our Wide Receivers preview podcast, I was the one sort of pound, trying not to pound the table because that makes for bad radio for Sammy Watkins and, and getting <laughs> some grief over it. Uh, I had to drop him way down. I mean— you ha- look. I think the Rams' offense will be better. I think the change in coaching staff will will really help Jared Goff. I think he could hardly have had a worse staff last year with Jeff Fisher, Sean McVay, offensive mind. You know, I, I'm I'm building in all the caveats to the point where I say Jared Goff was an absolute disaster last year, <laughs> and I just don't know like how good we can expect him to be. I don't think we, it can be very good. Whereas Tyrod Taylor is a pretty effective quarterback, and Tyrod Taylor throws a pretty good deep ball. Yeah, that's which is the sort of thing. Sammy Watkins you know uh, the thing. He, one of the things he does best, although he's a a, he's a fantasy monster in, in most respects, but I had to move him down to 19th. I mean, I think the Rams will actually throw more than the Bills have been throwing, but they won't be high-quality targets. And I think there are a few more mouths to feed. You know, in, in Buffalo, Sammy Watkins clearly was atop the pecking order. He, he clearly will be in, in Los Angeles as well. They didn't trade for him for nothing. But, you know, you have a few other guys there, including a guy who just played for the Bills last year, too, and in, in Robert
1: Woods. Now, Neil, any uh, anything that we should see coming on this side from a metrics standpoint, or, as far as your fancy stats are concerned?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, Sammy Watkins became a do not draft for me. I,
1: really? I would no, not. I'm not going that far.
2: I would not draft Sammy Watkins in any way, shape, or form. Only because one, like Des said, Goff was arguably one of the worst quarterbacks last year. One of the worst rookie season. I don't it's know if it's that arguable. It's it's pretty bad. Um, so that alone... you didn't I mean, even know where the sun rose. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was golf, a bad rookie season. You know, Goff was 8 of 23 on passes, 15 yards um, in the air. That's not good. Um, and Sammy Watkins has the highest injury rate among the position. He's expected to miss over four games. He's got a one in nine chance of being hurt in any game that he plays, according to Sports Injury Predictor, which uh, looks to at all these different types of injuries that players have and, and assigns risk based on that. I mean, for me, it's it's a complete no-go. It's just it's just not worth it to even entertain having someone like Watkins on, on my roster. It just won't do it.
1: Now, where is Watkins going currently in terms of average draft position, and where do you think... Obviously, he's pr- we th- he's probably going to trend downward. We'd imagine for all the negative uh, connotations associated with the Rams and Jared Goff. But what's the right value for him now, Des?
0: As we record this podcast, and again, this is Friday afternoon. The news just came out. Uh, Samuel Watkins has been going as the wide receiver, 15 overall, or 15 uh, 32nd overall in fantasy drafts. So, uh, kind of mid to late third round pick. He'll obviously tumble from there. Uh, and a lot of people, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of people will adopt. Uh, Neil's, I think, much short-sighted viewpoint that Sammy Watkins is a complete no-go. Like I said, I mean, I have, I have him wide receiver 19th. He's still going to command a, a pretty high target share with the Rams. I think it's an offense that will throw more than the Bills did, so there'll be a little bit more volume. Yes, obviously he has to stay on the field, so... You know he was an inherent injury risk to begin with, so yeah. If you want to stay away from him, like I wouldn't necessarily blame you. But I think the talent is still there. You know he he was an elite performer when he does when he does when he is on the field. So uh, I like him more than most. So I'm probably going to wind up with Sammy Watkins in more than a few drafts, but not till at at that range. You know we're talking uh, late fourth,
1: fifth round. All right, let's talk about how the Bills are going to replace him, and that's with former Eagles wide receiver Jordan Matthews. He was good in his rookie year in Philadelphia he took a little bit of a step back last season now he goes up north is this a good move because he was going to be in a little bit more of a crowded situation yeah, a good in move for Philadelphia him. yeah absolutely i
0: mean he becomes the number 1 receiver there he was getting pushed out it, i mean there were obviously what this trade did was confirm all the talk we heard that nelson Aguilar, a uh, previous first round buff for the eagles uh, bust for the eagles was making a big push in training yeah. camp and they wanted him to be the slot receiver and you're like well wait a minute that's where jordan Matthews operates and obviously you you know you have Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith on the outside, so you know if if they promote Nelson Aguilar to the slot, where the hell is Matthews going to play? And now we find out he's going to get traded in Buffalo, right? <laughs> and, and he steps into a situation where he should be the clear number one uh, receiving option. Uh, now that said, it, again, it's a low volume attack. Uh, I I I'm not sh- you know I'm not sure if, if his number is going to be massive. I, I moved him up to 34th. I had him at 40 mm-hmm. 47. So I have him in the wide receiver three tier, clear upside for him. It's kind of odd because they just signed Anquan Boldin, who I think has to play in the slot. I mean, he's an overgrown tight end at this point. So I'm not sure where that, you know, where that means Jordan Matthews is going to line up. Presumably he'll be, he'll be the split end. And then Zay Jones, who some people thought might, might play more of an interior uh, receiving role, he's going to have to go outside. So we're going to have to see how it all shakes out. But there's no doubt that, uh, that Matthews is the number one guy there. So that's a huge boost for his value. It does ding uh, Tyrod Taylor a little bit. Yeah. I have him now. I moved him down to 18th, which was the previously the Andy Dalton Memorial, last <laughs> of the QB ones uh, spot. So I still like, because Taylor derives so much of his value from running. Mm-hmm. You know, he's never been a, a big passing attack guy to begin with. So it's only going to ding him, you know, so much. Uh, but it does hurt um, Charles Clay a little bit, I think. And uh, also, I think Carson Wentz takes a little bit of a ding. I mean, I dropped him like one spot to 20th.
1: Yeah, it loses a little bit of uh, extra ammo yeah, there, just, but just a little bit. All right, so, Neil, the flip side of that, in Philadelphia, we now have more targets available for Zach Ertz at tight end, for Alshon Jeffrey at wide receiver, for Torrey Smith at wide receiver. Who do you think sees the biggest bump in that target share?
2: Well, definitely Nelson Aguilar, right? We just talked about him, because he's going to be the guy— The one guy I forgot to list. Thank you, Neil. —in the slot, right? I mean— uh, Matthews had 329 routes in the slot last year. Aguilar had 117. That's a lot of volume yeah. for him, which could boost him up just from volume alone. And like you said, I think Ertz definitely gets more of a look.
1: All right, well, to summarize, Sammy Watkins down or off the board entirely if you're Neil. <laughs> and Jordan Matthews gets a slight bump. Let's move on. <laughs> Value pick. All right. Well, a good bit of preseason action has already gone into the books. Redskins and Ravens played last night, among some others. Dez, when you're looking for some value picks, who you got your eye on?
0: Well, I, these. Yeah, I'm going to look at these players in terms of uh, possibly shifting my rankings going forward. Uh, I haven't. I'm, I'm going to kind of wait till the whole slate of games. Obviously, I, I made a lot of changes to my rankings based on the suspension news and the trades we saw. Some of this other stuff. I'm going to. Kind of see how it goes through the week through these weekends games by Monday I'll I'll have reshaped rankings so I, I want to look at uh, a few guys whose value I think has risen in the course of training camp and then uh, also from what we saw just you know very quickly in the preseason games and you can't talk about a brief look at in a preseason game without mentioning Kelvin Benjamin. He looked really good <laughs> in two catches. Still tall. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, it's still tall and, and a little more svelte than we remember from earlier in the off season. I mean, obviously, we'd seen reports that he was working his way back into shape. But it's one thing to see those yeah. reports. Another thing to see him out in the field look exactly like his old self. Yep. You know, he came back from an ACL injury last year. And, uh, you know, there's some questions about the Panthers' offense. They're going to work in uh, McCaffrey. Yep. And they're going to work in Curtis Samuel, so maybe they're going to go to more short passing. So, you know, I think there are some questions about Kelvin Benjamin's role, and two catches in a preseason game isn't necessarily going to change that. But he was going off the board as the wide receiver 32, and I can guarantee he's going to go higher than that now. So at the moment, I think he's a value at wide receiver 32. You know, the other thing... You don't want to take away too much, obviously, from a preseason game, but you like to see that he was spry. On one catch, he shook off a would-be tackler, showed his power. On the second catch, the touchdown catch, he skied over a, a defender as Derek Anderson laid the ball up where he could get it, and that was a reminder of what he brings to the table. And it's also a reminder that in terms of Kelvin Benjamin, you know, maybe Cam Newton, it's still a little bit iffy with his shoulder, but they've got a pretty decent backup there in Derek Anderson, and, the, and what you like about Anderson, he's got a big strong arm, he's not afraid to challenge uh, cornerbacks deep, and that's exactly what Kelvin Benjamin's bread and butter is.
1: And the other thing you have to like about Carolina is they have a pretty choice schedule, very fantasy friendly, could put up a lot of points early. All right, who else you got your eye on?
0: All right, a value pick uh, these days is certainly Terrence West. He's going as the running back 42. You know, I, I, once Kenneth Dixon went down, I mean, it really cleared mm-hmm. the way for Terrence West to be the main early downs back on the, on the Ravens. You have They brought in Danny Woodhead in the offseason, and I like Danny Woodhead a lot, too. I've talked yep. about that on previous podcasts. But I see that more as, a, as him as a PPR, upside play, should catch a lot of balls. We'll see how the goal line work shakes out. But Terrence West, as things stand now, is like the main early down running back for that team. You know, he didn't show a ton in the preseason game, but he looked pretty good in limited action. He ran for 23 yards and a touchdown on five carries versus the Redskins. Showed some power. Basically, you know what you like to see is they brought him out there. He was the clear early down back to start the game. I mean, they, they, yep. so you know he's running with the ones, and I, I think you know as a running back 42 right now, he's a steal. I mean, he was he was worth more than that last year in when he was splitting when he was splitting time with uh, with Kenneth Dixon. Um, another running back I like, uh, also in the AFC North, is Duke Johnson. Yep. Now, this, uh, this, is, this is more of a PPR thing. because sure, for sure. He, he, for sure. Yeah, he, he's caught a lot of balls in his first two seasons. He had 61 catches and 53 catches. That was third among running backs. Uh, and then what they did in the preseason game, and again, this followed a trend that we started to hear about in training camp, was they lined him up in the slot a few times. So that'd be really huge for his value if he could get on the field at the same time as Isaiah Crowell and essentially be used as as a slot receiver. I mean, you know, if he he could get to 70 or 80 catches, I mean, that's a team that's going to be you figure behind a lot. Y- Although you think yeah, <laughs> Miles Garrett, that defense is, should be better. Miles Garrett looked like looked like a monster, and and hopefully will pay off as the number one overall pick. Um, I had to throw this tidbit in, too. Uh, Browns assistant coach Al Saunders recently compared uh, Duke Johnson to Marshall Falk. Oh. And Saunders coached Marshall Falk in St. Louis, so he wasn't just like throwing that name out lightly. <laughs> that is
1: a quite a robust comparison <laughs> right. there. That is ambitious. So,
0: yeah, and we all remember Marshall Falk as the single uh, best player
1: in fantasy during his era. So that's the expectations yeah. I have. You mean Duke Hall Johnson. of Famer Marshall yeah, Falk. That, right. that, yeah, exactly, that guy. Well, clearly there is a lot to keep our eye on in terms of preseason football. But for our last segment, well, we're going to do something a little different. What to watch for. So since Jeff is sunning himself in Florida and Neil's in, we decided to have a little bit of fun with this last segment. And we're going to make leagues great again if you forgive the expression. This is what we're watching for. This is what we're watching for. Your league settings. (laughs) They could be better, and we're going to tell you how. I'm excited. I don't know about you. Uh, I am very excited because uh, the rest of the day got blown up by Ezekiel Elliott and Buffalo Bills news. All right, so, Des, we all know the standard league 10 to 12 owner's PPR, non-PPR, but what are some of the more yeah. exciting wrinkles that you've seen or you've taken part in that you really like and would endorse for the merriment of others?
0: Yes. Uh, the biggest league setting that I endorse, that I'm a fan of, is the what's called the super flex, or I think in ESPN leagues they might call it offensive player. It's basically a flex position that includes the quarterback. And the, the beauty of this is that you know, as we talked about uh, in our quarterback podcast, wait, 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 don't draft a quarterback. In in one quarterback leagues of 10, 10 to 12 teams, you know, the position is just really devalued. There's mm-hmm. almost no point in drafting quarterback early. You might as well wait. And there's a million QB ones. You know, we talked about Tyrod Taylor and, and Andy Dalton, so the world. Um, the, it, the issue becomes when you try to address that and you make a two-quarterback league, then all of a sudden the pendulum swings in the exact opposite direction. Then quarterbacks become almost too valuable because, it, you know, if you're in a 12-team league, I mean, how many, like, good quarterbacks are there at any given point? Like 26 or so? I mean, that's barely more than two per team, and obviously you, you'd, you'd want to have three in your team in a two-QB league, and there just aren't enough to go around. So that's kind of unfair. So if you make it a flex position, you give teams the option of maybe you could put a quarterback there, or you could put another uh, player there at another position if you're kind of short at that. You kind
1: of address that situation. So I'm a big fan of that setting. So similar to that, I'm in a 14-team league, which used to be a 16-team league, and in order to address the shortage of starting caliber running backs, and this is back when there still was this. It was the single back era. Everyone had a featured back. Well, as we moved to a committee situation with third down backs becoming more of a, a rage. If you had the end of the draft pick, you got like you were you <laughs> yeah. were done like you had nothing and then when you had the, the pick coming back, almost no one uh, at, at the end of the second round, uh, if you didn't draft two running backs you weren't getting one like you weren't getting any one of quality. So what we did was we flipped the third round to incentivize some wide receiver picks so we go, down one to 12, then we go, tw- or, uh, excuse me, one to 14, then we go 14 to one, and then we go 14 to one again. So it's a reverse snake, and then the snake turns back on itself in the third round, if right. that makes any sense. Yeah, that,
0: that, the, I mean, I, I just think you've then switched the burden to the person picking first, right? Because then you get the first pick, and you get the 24th pick, and then you get the, what, 38th pick after that? Like that's, you, know, you go another 14 second? picks. Yeah, no, no you're he, absolutely right. Yeah. But at
1: least you're getting a guy like and <laughs> Bell. Or you back are. in the day, you were getting he Priest Holmes or LaDainian yeah. Tomlinson. And this has been a league that's been around for a while. And when all is said and done, we've had a number of uh, champions at every position in the draft. So it works out surprisingly well. I like to complain about it because it's never worked out for me. I've yet to win this league. <laughs> but I do think it is right. a solid, fundamental uh, wrinkle for a draft. Neil, what do you like?
2: No one invites me to the drafts anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm maybe it's because you keep <laughs> drafting a
1: team of kickers. <laughs> that
2: that that could be it. But uh, yeah, but what I what I do like, um, I like auction leagues. That's something that I think puts a lot of fun into. Yeah, I was, I was
0: thinking that when, when he was when when Mike was describing his torturous draft, I was right. like, why not just go to an auction? Right, league? and I yeah. think
2: that's that's great because you have access to every player, right? Like you were just talking about in your league, you if you don't draft in one of the early positions, your chances of getting running back are nil. But in an auction league, you at least have the opportunity to, to getting any players that you want. And if you wanted to to bid up high on, on two or three of the best running backs in the league, you could certainly do that. So I think that, um, especially in a live draft environment, is is pretty fun. So I'm, I'm if you're out there listening, I'd love to be invited <laughs> in an auction league.
0: Well, any, any good fantasy draft, you want to make a day-long party anyway. I right. mean, Absolutely. Do not plan anything after your fantasy <laughs> <laughs> draft. That's a mistake. So
1: August 26th. Yeah. Keep your League draft, auction draft. We're sticking around to watch the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Yes. yes. I,
0: I might do the same. I have a draft on August 26th as well, and I think we're thinking the exact same thing. The only trick will be, I think the draft is going to go a little bit early in the day. It might be over by 530 or so. <laughs> so we're going to have to find a way to stay away because, I mean, because uh, there will be some beer involved. I would assume so. Yeah. So maybe some coffee as well. Uh, I, I just want to tack on to the auction idea, a big setting that I'm a huge fan of is the free agent auction or free agent acquisition budget which basically works by blind auction during the season. This takes the place of your standard waiver acquisition setup and I think it's so it, I think it's it's so cool during the season. I mean waivers you know it, it addresses the same thing in season that auction drafts do for the draft, right? If you don't have the first pick overall then you're just not going to get David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell or whoever, whereas in an auction, you've got as good a shot as anybody. Well, it works that way during the season as well. You know, when that star running back goes down and all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, my God, his backup is there on the waiver wire. Well, if you have a waiver system, only the person at the top of the waiver wire can get that guy. You know, if you have a free agent auction budget, uh, anyone can get him as long as they're willing to splash the cash. And when it's blind bidding, you have that extra – intrigue of like, wow, you know, what should I bid? What do I think other people are going to bid? And then you get to find out later. And it's just a ton of fun. And it also also leads for a lot of strategy because you have to sort of budget yourself for the course of the season. Do you go in big early in the season? Do you just blow out your budget to make sure you stack your roster as best you can early in the year? Or do you try to save some money for down the road for when guys pop up? There's a lot of intrigue and strategy involved
1: in that. Well, there clearly are a lot of ways to make your league a little bit different and a little bit more fun. We definitely invite our listeners to share your wrinkles with us on Twitter. You can reach me at Mike Hume Post, at Des Beeler, at Anne Greenberg. He might not care, but if you're inviting him to your draft, he might. <laughs> so please share with us your team names, your trophy names, whatever you got. This is the sort of stuff that makes fantasy football really fun and keeps people engaged all season long. Plus we could use the content. We could definitely, definitely use the content, as is evidenced by this segment right here. <laughs> Now, you can follow all of our fantasy football content on TheWashingtonPost.com. Download and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And like I said, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Mike Hume Post. And I'm at Des Buehler.
2: And I'm at N. Greenberg. You're at
1: who? N. Greenberg. Yeah, you sound very confident about that.
2: (laughs) I I had to make sure.